Welcome to the All Hallows School podcast, the place where we talk to staff, parents and pupils to find out more about life at the school. In this episode, our very first episode, we speak to headmaster, Dr Trevor Richards. We're going to find out the importance of pupil voice at the school, how the young people are leading some of the changes in the school. And we talk about the importance of good communication with parents, an essential ingredient in that partnership. But we also find out one of the headmaster's favourite musicians of all time. And I was quite surprised by that, and I think you might be too. So come with me as we step into the headmaster's office. Trevor, thank you for being here and welcome to the All Hallows School podcast. How are you doing today? Hi, Simon. Uh, yeah, very good today. Lovely sunny weather. I look at my um, study window looks out onto the junior play area, so it's a lot quieter than it normally is. Normally, I've got a row of heads about this time of day at, <laughs> right. at my window who are all very keen to tell me about their day and what happened at the weekend <laughs> and what they've been doing in class in the morning. I, I often joke that I could make a lot of money selling ice creams out of my window. <laughs> Um, so it's it's eerily quiet, actually, although beautiful. Well, maybe the ice creams could be a, a future sideline. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> now, in a moment, we're going to be talking about life at All Hallows. But before we do that, could you just tell us a little bit about your family situation, if you're married and whatever your situation is there? Uh, I've been married for about 18 years. Uh, okay. I've lived in Somerset since the early 1990s, and okay. I live... Uh, about 10 minutes down the road from the school in Froome. It's apparently now the best place in the southwest to live. Is that According right? to the Times. Absolutely. Well, there we go. And not because I live there, I hasten to add. <laughs> <laughs> and did you get married in Froome or was that somewhere uh, I, else? No, locally. Um, we actually um, we, we got married in a local village called Colford. Uh, mm -hmm. and we were the last people to get married in the village church before it was deconsecrated. Okay. And my wedding reception was held on the library lawn that I'm looking out on at the moment. Lovely. Absolutely fantastic. So you've clearly got a long connection. I have with indeed. Paul yes, yes, indeed. So I'd love to know a little bit more about that, you, because I, I understand that your association with the school goes back to 1993. Tell yeah, me about gosh, this 30 yeah. year or nearly 30 year connection that you've had with the school. It's It, it really doesn't seem that, that long ago. I think... Um, my job and of course the children have changed every year in the school and, mm. and the school feels different every year um i think you know i i started as a teacher here my first teaching post at, at 23 uh was a head of geography here and i uh, taught for about 12 13 years and became director of studies and led the pastoral team for a while mm -hmm. and then went back to university uh, to study to be an educational psychologist in my mid-30s after doing a second psychology degree with the Open University mm -hmm. and worked out in Somerset and North Somerset for a while and got very frustrated that that psychologists were almost the last line in in a crisis management situation there was no practice working going on and uh, the head at the time at all house said well why don't you come and be the school psychologist so that was about seven years ago and i i started on a day or two a week and within six months i was back full time and embedded back in the school again i see okay well we're going to come on to that in a short moment but first of all tell me about how you've experienced the evolution of the school in those nearly 30 years I, actually I'm going to say 28 years because it's not quite yeah. 30 years that's very kind of you <laughs> um, I think there's the obvious physical development uh, of the school things like the, the Astros and the tennis courts and the new library and particularly I think that you know our our 
creative centre, which is now a, a core element of the provision mm-hmm. in school and something that's quite distinctive. Um, but All Hallows is a school that's uh, innovative. It's, it's quite traditional feeling, but in terms of the teaching and learning, it's a very innovative place. Mm. Um, and it, it's therefore evolved significantly in that time. Uh, the children are very much the heart of the process, and they're increasingly now uh, encouraged to reflect on their own learning, um, that we see learning as an interactive process, that technology, of course, now uh, is Im- embedded in the school in terms of enhancing learning, whether that's accessing prep online, uh, children collaborating, different modes of learning, fostering creativity, use of animation and video and Microsoft Teams and all those sorts of things. Um, uh, Who would have thought when I started teaching 28 years ago that we would have had robotics and coding as distinctive subjects on the curriculum? Uh, Really exciting stuff. And I think as well, the pupil voice, I think, has grown in the school. Okay. Um, I think, you know, that we want children and young people to believe that they've got some agency and and the power, power to bring about change. And I regularly have knocks on the door um, where children, you know, even our youngest pupils come in because they want to share something or they've had an idea. So things like our eco council, for example, was mm-hmm. came from a, a knock on the door with some year six and seven pupils who said, uh, do you know how much single-use plastic we're using in the school? And they'd done a survey uh, and they oh, wow. watched how many uh, plastic cups and things like that we were throwing away. Mm. Um, and they said, we've got to do something about this. I said, so great, come in and sit down and we'll have a think. And from that, they led change in the school. So we've now drastically reduced. We've got rid of most of our use, uh, uh, single-use plastics. Mm-hmm. They did an assembly program and we ended up through them them being the sort of beacon pupils to start an eco-committee so that it was something that that kept going. Um, what hasn't changed really is, is the ethos of the school, those core underpinnings. Um, I think every school, if it's a good school, changes over time and it evolves and it, it, you're reflecting on what's going on in the wider world. And if you're going to prepare the children for that, you've got to move forward. But what hasn't changed is the way that we see young people and the way that we really believe that the best learning and development for young people is underpinned by a foundation in well-being and and happiness at the end of the day, that school should be a place that you bounce into at the beginning of the day and go home full of what you've been doing each day. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's the sort of vision we have for that. Awesome. Well, thank you for sharing all of that. Now, you mentioned about being an educational psychologist. Mm. Can you just tell us a little bit about what that means, first of all? Gosh, there's a, there's a big question. <laughs> um, it, it really means that you're working with the, each child and the pe- people around that child, whether it be parents or their peers or um, their par- the, the, the staff around them, to help them to thrive in whatever way that is. And as a psychologist, you're really trying to see the wood for the trees, that very often when we're involved in a situation, we, it's, it's complex. People are complex. Children are certainly complex and they change over time. <laughs> mm-hmm. And and that's one of the exciting things about working in school. But really a psychologist is there to help unpick 
what's going on and then work with those people as a team around each child Mm -hmm. to make sure that they're flourishing in whatever way we want to think about that. So in what ways has that influenced then the ways in which you lead the school? I think it provides a a really distinctive way of seeing child development and, and learning you know, the best teachers are often amateur psychologists. They're thinking in a different way about children. That's interesting. And again, this is part of the school ethos, but it's certainly been uh, cemented by a a psychological insight in that we we think of each child as unique. So we can't be a a systems-based school where we expect each child to mould themselves around whatever school processes we put in place. We've got to look in a far more nuanced way at each group of children and potentially each individual and put in place what they need to flourish. We also see them as as whole people. I think traditionally schools split them up and you'll often hear schools talk about pastoral teams and and people have different roles and they, they have different meetings. And we believe the different aspects of a child's life are mutually reinforcing. You can't separate off their emotional development or whether they're settled socially from their learning so we're working to develop every aspect of a child all at the same time whether it's their their emotional development creativity intellectual development uh, social skills their, their spiritual journey and if we're going to do that we need to be working in partnership with parents mm. if we're saying that every aspect of their life is key to, to who they are then we really do see parents as a, as a partner in that process it also really importantly means that each teacher needs to have an individual relationship with every, with each pupil sitting in front of them not just in terms of the measurable things that are important the things that you measure on a spreadsheet in terms of learning but how they see themselves are they confident are they motivated are they curious are they good at working with others are they flexible how do they cope when things go wrong are they resilient do they know what to do when things aren't quite going to plan and that's where that sort of psychology comes through in the teaching side of things that we're looking to develop their sort of intellectual character as well as those very concrete parts uh, of learning and we're aiming really to put in place the building blocks to help them to thrive in whatever comes next, whether that's senior school or, or in later life. And part of that is around mindset. It's about uh, fostering in them uh, a way of thinking about themselves. And, you know, I, th- I think that's quite distinctive in a school. It happens by accident in some great schools. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't think that there are many schools that set out to do that in the way that we do. You mentioned about partnership with parents. Mm. Can you give me an example of when that partnership with parents is kind of perfectly in sync with the school? Well, it's it's based on really effective and frequent communication. Mm. But I think any uh, problem or concern, one of the first things we do is sit down with parents and, and ask what do we think is going on, that, mm. that actually they're involved in that process very proactively and early because we do want to... You know, any intervention we put in place in a child's life, whatever part of a child's life that is, whether that's uh, an individual education plan or somebody that's struggling socially or with their confidence, it's far more powerful if home and school are working together and are in sync. Hmm. So what we would do is we would we would think about that. We would come up with a plan that we'd put in place and then we'd frequently review that to check on progress. And parents would be feeding into that 
you know, parents are also have a, a great deal of insight into what's going on with their children. And, mm. you know, it, it seems a little strange for schools to say, no, we're the experts, mm-hmm. when actually a big part of every child's life, and, and that goes for our borders as well, um, happens outside school. And, and parents want to be a part of that. And I think it also helps foster that relationship with the school that means that we're all working together. That teamwork is, is really part of school life here. We're not mm. a school that says, thanks very much, you drop them at the gate in the morning, that actually we want you to be part of school life and mm. your child's development, that you're key to that. Trevor, All Hallows places great value on creativity. We know that. And of course, not just in the Art and Creative mm. Design Centre, but... Why do you believe that creativity is so important? One of the things that made us look at creativity as something that we wanted to put at the heart of the school was that we wanted a way of thinking to permeate out from the creative centre. And it's not about demoting the importance of academic disciplines. The opposite is true, actually. Mm. It's about being able to look at problems, research ideas, develop solutions, think differently. And these are some of the key skills for later life. And increasingly, employers are are telling us that, you know, this is one of the critical things that they're looking for later on. And that applies on the sports pitch or the history lesson, as well as it does in the art class or the creative design uh, class. So, so, for example, you wouldn't find our sports coaches bellowing instructions from the sidelines during uh, a hockey fixture. Mm-hmm. They might be asking questions and they might be scaffolding pupils to come up with some of the solutions to, to the problems that they're facing on the pitch. Mm. But that's different from that very directed approach, um, do this and do that, that actually, you know, at the end of the game, the whole team gets together and the coach's role then is to scaffold some reflection and celebrate what went well and think about what they need to improve and what they're going to do about that. Mm. And that sort of thinking feeds right through the school. It's at the heart of our marking policy where you're asking children to work with a teacher to reflect on their learning. And it becomes an ongoing conversation. They're bought into it, but also they're learning those skills uh, and becoming increasingly independent as they come through that. I think children also have a sort of uh, a sort of natural sense of curiosity and a, a wonder. They love finding out new things, um, and I think we've certainly, as a school, uh, moved away from looking for a right answer in lessons to children thinking about what if and what's the different ways of looking at this, and empowering them with different ways of learning, getting them to take risks with the learning. And the flexibility that we have in a school like Ohallows to do that, where we're not driving children at all costs through a curriculum or feeling that we've got to hothouse them for particular, for SATs, for example, at a particular time, enables us to have the time and space to do that. And that's when learning is exciting, you know, when you've got that flexibility, both as a teacher and as a young person. I mean, it's, it, it's terrible sometimes when you hear, I hear some of my colleagues talk from other schools and that idea that, you know, by the end of next week, I've got to reach here, whatever happens. Well, what happens if the children are just thriving and flourishing and learning so much doing a particular activity? Can you not give that another lesson? It's a real shame that that's sort of permeated the educational profession. So then leaving the learning to one side for a moment, obviously All Hallows being a Christian school and it's operating in the Catholic tradition, for yes. some families that is exactly what they're looking for. Yes. For other families they may have concerns about what that actually means for their child 
joining the school. Yes. Tell us a little bit more about how that plays out in everyday life in the school. The school is entirely inclusive and we welcome children of all faiths and none. And everybody in the school community, whether that's parents or staff or, or the young people themselves, need to feel that they belong to the school. About mm. 30% of our families uh, and staff uh, are now Catholics, but it, it's far more than about what people might think about in terms of a Christian school. Our visitors often talk about, I don't know, a feeling of warmth that sort of leaks out of the walls. And it also reinforces those those underpinnings that we were talking about earlier, the, the mm. idea that everybody's unique, that we're looking after a whole person, that they're not just psychological things. They're there because of the Christian values on which the school is founded. And we want, you know, that there, there are huge benefits to a, a, a faith-based view of, of child development as well, in that we're, we're helping children to understand some really key things that we want them to develop, like compassion and kindness and, and patience. And our school behaviour policy talks a lot about forgiveness. You know, and, and they're, they're key parts of that warmth of the school and the inclusivity. We certainly have faith-based assemblies uh, and collective worship, um, which takes the form of a, a regular mass at the moment, a whole school mass, which is very child-friendly. Mm -hmm. uh, it's led uh, largely by the children and provides an opportunity for reflection and contemplation and some quiet as well. For our Catholic families, there is the opportunity to prepare for things like First Holy Communion and other important sacraments, but these take place as uh, extracurricular activities. Okay. So our RE lessons, for example, are very much academic lessons in which children are, are thinking about some really tricky questions and reflecting on values and thinking about ethics and debating and discussing some of those big ideas, again, coming back to creativity that you mm. want them to think about, as well as finding out about world faiths. And uh, I think although children are, are children for longer at a school like All Hallows, they're going to emerge into a world that, that's varied and ever-changing. And I think if we want them to feel at home in there and that they can make a change, living in somewhere like All Hallows uh, in rural Somerset is amazing. But we're also preparing them for, for what next and they're going to move on from here. And that's very much part of that as well. But I would say I certainly drove down the drive those 28 years ago wondering what I was going to find in this beautiful manor house um, with the sort of label of being a Catholic school on it. And the overwhelming thing I would say is that it is about the warmth and the inclusivity here. And that's what our parents value as well as those ingrained characteristics of compassion and kindness and inclusivity and that sense of warmth that the school brings. I think those are the things that, you know, our families are here for predominantly, mm -hmm. as well as the actual faith life itself. It's the, it's the other products of that and mm -hmm. the way that we treat each other in the school. Mm. It makes perfect sense. It sounds very attractive. It really does. Yeah. Okay, so Trevor, we talked about some of the ways in which you're leading the school, but I'd like to ask you a couple of questions about you as a person. Okay. <laughs> Nothing at all to do with the school. <laughs> okay. So tell me, what was the one band or musician that you never saw in concert, but you wish that you did? Oh, I, th I would say it had to be the Rolling Stones, I think, in their, in their peak. Aren't they still going? Well, <laughs> or have they finished that, now? Well, I, that's why I say in their peak. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not quite sure that that would... Um, I think they're the band, one of the bands that I've gone back to and... Uh, 
I would I would hasten to add that I'm a little young for them, I guess, in their full pomp, but I, <laughs> I still would love to have seen them in concert. And also, you know, more up-to-date bands like the Foo Fighters and things, I'd love to go and see them again in, in concert. I think one of the things that we've missed from lockdown and the pandemic is the ability to go and you know go to sporting events and and go and see bands in concerts and be with other people at those those bigger events and again they're they're things that you never forget those big events where everyone's sharing that same energy with the same common purpose absolutely yes okay right my next question you mentioned about when you arrived 28 years ago and you're driving Mm. down the Mm. drive what car were you driving at the time? Do you remember? I, I do. I was driving my dad's Vauxhall Astra, um, which I borrowed for the day. Right. Um, um, Mark one, Mark two. Oh, do you know, I don't know. I think it was a Mark two. Okay. It was certainly his his company car. <laughs> um, and I'm state school educated from the maintained sector and had a brilliant set of teachers, um, and wondered what somewhere like All Hallows would be like and felt very at home here, very welcomed. Um, It's a very, as I say, inclusive place where Mm. I think everybody feels that they belong. But what my my education did give me is that absolute knowledge that great teaching and great teachers build the school and make a real difference to the life of their children. And we talk about that a lot in school. I think teachers, because they see children in snapshots, don't realise the impact that they have Mm. on young people's lives and when I go and tutor at some of the teacher training courses uh, at places like the University of Buckingham I say to the teachers how many of you are now teaching specialist subjects that your favorite teacher taught and it's about 90% of the room wow and that's the bit where you think this is a this is a relationship you've built with this person and you mm. knew that they cared about you and they wanted you to do well and they wanted you to flourish and that they were going to support you in that process and that they had an investment in it and that's how you want to feel as a learner in, in a in a in a school we need to bring this to a close in a moment but for anyone who's heard anything and might have a follow up question what's mm. the best way for them to get in touch um email me directly at school um would be would be great i'm just head at all hallows school um, and you can get in touch via the website as well. The school website um, is a very easy way to, to, to get in touch with the school. And I'll get straight back with them. I'm very happy as well to, as we all are now, Zoom, Team, hmm. uh, Call, whatever that is, as well as an email. Very often, I think it's, it's good to talk if you've got questions. Mm-hmm. Emails are great, but I think they only get you so far. And mm. I think you know, you're, they very often result in another set of questions and we're yeah. far better off just having a chat over the phone. So, so please just get in touch. Well, look, Trevor, thank you so much for being with us today. And thank you for being so willing to open up and share so much with us on this episode. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you very much. So that was Dr. Trevor Richards, Headmaster. Thank you, Trevor, for coming on to this episode. Don't forget, if you have any questions, you can contact him directly by emailing head at allhallowsschool.co.uk or use that offer from him to talk as well either over zoom or on the phone now if you haven't followed or subscribed to this channel yet then now's the time to do so because then when each episode is released you'll just receive a small notification to let you know so go and do that but in the meantime thank you for listening to this episode and we'll see you again soon bye for now